0: Amen. You can have a seat. A couple weeks ago we began a series of lessons that I'm calling In Spite Of, and we're thinking about how we can know that God loves us in spite of certain things going on in our lives. So the first week we talked about our past, and we talked about everything that can keep us in our past from thinking God could love us. And then last week we talked about how there are times when it feels like life is sort of falling apart. Stuff is going on, and Maybe we wonder, has God forgotten me, or does God care about me anymore, or maybe I've done some stuff that's made God mad, so He's abandoned me. So we're seeing that in spite of stuff we've done, in spite of our life circumstances, we can be sure that God loves us. Now today I want us to talk about something specific that's related to those things, but really we need to deal with head on, and that's our sin, Can God love us in spite of the fact that we are sinners? I want us to talk about that for a little while today. You know, over 30 years of ministry, there have been times when people have come to me with ideas about what I should preach on. You're welcome to drop that in the offering box today as well. If you'd like, I might pay attention to it. And people will sometimes say, you know, you should preach on sin more. Now, most of the time when... People say you should preach on sin. What they mean is you should preach on the sin that the people out there are committing, all right? Don't talk about stuff we're doing. Talk about the stuff that people outside the church are doing so it makes us feel a little better, right? And it makes us remember that things are still the same as they always have been, right? Still right, wrong, still wrong. Well, that's true, right? But the key is we really don't enjoy talking about the sins that we're guilty of. None of us like that. Because it reminds us of our guilt, and it reminds us of our separation from God, and it makes us feel guilt, and it makes us feel bad about who we are. So we really don't want that because we're just not sure that if we're the kind of people who have sinned the way we've sinned, God could possibly Accept us Now, today I want us to think specifically about what the Bible has to say about that because it's a pretty common struggle that a lot of people have, even Christians have, about how God feels about me in light of my sin, okay? So today I want us to turn again to one of the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. We're sort of sticking with those letters in this series. Paul was a mentor to Timothy in life, ministry faith. And so he writes about a combination of things. We see their relationship at work in the book of Acts. It's a close relationship. And we get a window into it in this letter, in these letters. And in these letters, Paul really keys in on the nature of the gospel. This is the gospel that I'm preaching to you, okay? This is the gospel you should preach to others. And we see that at work in chapter 1 of First Timothy and in 2 Timothy. Now, Today we come to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And this chapter opens with Paul sort of giving Timothy some instruction, I think personally, but my guess is this is also in his role as a leader in the church too. So to lead people to do something and what he says is you should pray for all people, okay? That's a good idea. We need to be praying for each other, for our families, for the people who surround us. And he says specifically, you should pray for kings and those in authority. Now, that's interesting because if we think back to the first century, and Paul's probably writing like in the middle of the first century, so you're talking 20 to 30 years after the death of Jesus, all right? During that time, Christians are still a tiny minority in the Roman Empire, right? I mean, there's a very small number of Christians relative to the population. In some towns, there would be no Christians. In some towns, just a handful. In some, a larger community. But most of the time, basically overlooked, okay? Yeah, they have something to do with the Jews. A lot of them are Jews. I think their leader is a Jew. But but there's people who are sort of believing beyond that. They have a few things we don't understand, but who cares, right? But then if they do get noticed, as is the case with lots of minority populations throughout history, if they get noticed, there's trouble. And so, even by the middle of the first century, there are pockets, it's not across the empire, but pockets of persecution of Christians. So Paul says, what I want you to do, Timothy, and what I want you to lead others to do is to pray for those people who might persecute you. Now that's an interesting choice, isn't it? Pray for them so that we as Christians can live a quiet life. In other words, pray for them so that maybe they will make it easy on us and we won't have to face persecution. We can do what God has called us to do instead. Okay, that's the way Paul opens the chapter. And then he comes to what we really need to hear today. He's talking about praying for all people. And he says this, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. This is good. This prayer is good. And pleases God our Savior. Now, here's the key that I want us to hear. Verse 4. Who wants all people to be saved. This pleases God our Savior. We're talking about God. This God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So Paul says God wants two things for people. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. I think God wants other things for people as well, but two things God wants for everyone for sure, salvation and a knowledge of the truth. Now, if we were writing this, some of us might write it like, what God wants for good people is salvation, or what God wants for pretty good people is salvation, or what God wants for Christians is salvation, or what God wants for us is salvation. That's not what Paul wrote, is it? What God wants for all people is salvation. So, regardless of who you are, where you grew up, the language you speak, maybe your race, your identity, or whatever, and certainly even beyond what you've done, what does God want for you this morning? Salvation. So today, if you're struggling with some stuff that you're bringing to the table this morning here at church, like it's there, it's in your heart, on your mind, and you're wondering, man, how can I ever be right with God? What does God want for you today? He wants salvation. And Paul says he also wants a knowledge of the truth. What's he talking about there? If you read through 1 and 2 Timothy, what you'll find is that the truth is often associated with the Gospel. So he wants you to know the Gospel. You see those things, they go together, right? He wants you to have salvation and that's related to your knowledge of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he's about to lay that out. But for us, the key understanding here is that God wants salvation for all people, not a certain group who've done something or haven't done something or have a certain identity. God wants it for all people. And that includes us. So what is this Gospel? Well, it begins in verse 5. He lays out sort of three moves here that I think are important for us to see. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Okay, so truth number one. First move that he makes here is, there is one God. We say, well, yep, I knew that, right? Knew that when I walked in the door. Well, a lot of people in the ancient world did not know that. In fact, most people in the Roman Empire believed in this pantheon of gods, right? All these gods, the Greek gods, the Roman gods. They also believe that the emperor himself, when he became emperor, he was a god too. In fact, you might have some household gods that you worshipped especially. Gods for your city. All these gods that might get mad at you. You've got to placate them, make them happy. If, be sure you don't offend them because there's going to be trouble, okay? All these gods. And in response to that in the culture, Paul says there is... One God. And this grows straight out of his Judaism. This is all over the Old Testament. There's not a bunch of gods. There is one creator God who made all of humanity, all of creation, chose a people, Israel, brought them out of slavery, created a nation, and then made promises to them that are fulfilled in Jesus. There is one God. And there is, second move, one mediator. Well, you see, there's a problem between God and humanity. And that problem is sin. You know, when we think about our sin, we feel guilt. We're sort of ashamed of that because of how it might affect other people, but also how it affects our relationship with God. And there are consequences to our sin. There is no doubt, both here and in eternity. And our sin separates us from God. So God wanted to deal with that problem because what does God want for all people? salvation. How does that work? He sent a mediator, one unique human being who had things at work in him that have been at work in no one else and never will be. The fact is that the New Testament describes Jesus as both fully God, he was God himself, and he is also fully human. He had a human body just like I. He dealt with all the stuff that our bodies deal with. So he's God and he's man, and because he is both, he can stand between God and humanity as a mediator to deal with our sin problem. How did he do that? Move number three. He became a ransom for all people. That's what Paul says. He became the mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Now again... This is not just certain people, not just the nation of Israel, not just good people. He wanted to save all people, so he became a ransom for all people. What does that mean? A ransom is what we pay when someone is kidnapped, right? You get them back by paying a ransom. I think that's a good translation. A better translation might be he redeemed, okay? That's where we think about someone is in slavery, right? They've been enslaved, and this happened a lot in the ancient world. If you had a debt or you wanted to learn an apprenticeship or whatever, you enslaved yourself. So you could be bought out of that slavery. You were redeemed from slavery. So Jesus redeemed. Well, we were enslaved, weren't we? To sin. Because every one of us has chosen sin over and over and over in our lives. That's what we feel separates us from God. And it does. And because there was this separation between the one God and humanity, we needed one mediator to stand between us and bring us together. And the way that He did that is He paid this redeeming price, this ransom for us because of our enslavement to sin. And so Jesus has offered this to us. Now it's up to us to accept, right? What well, does God want for all humanity, for each human being? Salvation. And so he's offered that gift. But then we have to accept it. Because God's not going to force us to do anything. And So it's our decision, am I going to accept this gift of being bought out of slavery? Now what's interesting is we read these words In 1 Timothy chapter 2, but they're really not original to Paul. Paul, I think, is probably quoting from something he's heard before. Either he's got the Gospel of Mark in front of him, or he's heard these sayings that end up in the Gospel of Mark. But here's what we read in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is Jesus speaking about himself, for he says, for even the Son of Man, and that's a phrase Jesus often used to describe himself, and it means, yeah, he was a human being, but it's also this figure that Daniel describes. It's going to come in and really change the world, which is what Jesus did. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. How did he serve? To give his life as a ransom for many. Similar language, isn't it? Jesus says, this is what I'm about. I'm about being the ransom. I'm about buying people back from that which has enslaved them. And Jesus did it on the cross. Because it's on the cross that Jesus dealt with the problem of sin and evil. It's on the cross that Jesus took evil on. And even though the powers of evil were at work in that moment and thought that Jesus was defeated when He died, they were wrong because He was raised from the dead. And because of all of that, that's the price that was paid to redeem us from slavery. So the message for us is today is that God offers the forgiveness you really need and I really need because we were enslaved to sin. And maybe you feel enslaved to sin even today. The good news is there's one God And one mediator between God and humanity. And the reason He's that mediator is because He was fully human and fully God. And He died on a cross so that our sin could be forgiven. And in that, we find the forgiveness that leads to the salvation God wants. Now again, it's up to us to accept that. I mean, there's good news and there's bad news, right? The bad news is God knows your sin. And He knows my sin. Okay? There's nothing that we can hide from God. It's not like we can pretend it didn't happen. God knows. God is very aware. He's as aware of it as you are. And so there's no sense in hiding. The good news is, is that even though God knows about that sin, what does He want for you and for every other human being? Salvation. And He's put in place Jesus so that He can offer us that salvation. And then it's up to us, am I going to accept it? Now we talk about that salvation in a couple different ways. One way we talk about it is in terms of eternity. That part of the reason that we put our faith in Jesus Christ is so that we can have eternal life. I mean, that's salvation, right? That we've messed up stuff and it has eternal consequences. It separates us from God both now and for eternity. Jesus dealt with it. And if we accept this gift of salvation, we can spend eternity doing what we were created to do, which is to worship God. I mean, We were made to give God praise. That's what we're supposed to do with this life and the next. And if we accept this gift of salvation, we can spend eternity in the very presence of God in a recreated heaven and earth where everything is the way it was supposed to be from the beginning. There are eternal consequences. And if that were the end of the story, it would be enough, wouldn't it? It would be enough reason to worship God. It would be enough to give our lives over to God. But it's not the end. There's actually more to it than that. There are eternal consequences to the salvation Jesus offers, but there are, there are consequences for today. Because you see, when Jesus dealt with this problem of sin, when He defeated the power of sin... He's offering us a change for today. It's not just eternal consequences. It's right now because Jesus is at work in us through his spirit. And no, it's not that we'll never sin again. Hey, none of us are that person. But we don't have to be enslaved to sin. We don't have to let it control us. You know, when we fight that battle, we usually lose. But if we decide, you know what, God has entrusted us with his spirit, that his spirit is at work in us because we have received that spirit, we have more power to overcome sin than we did before. And so we don't have to be enslaved to it forever. God's salvation has eternal consequences, but it can change the way that you live now if you let it. So we're called to receive this gift. And we do it by putting our faith in Jesus, acknowledging who He is, that He is God's Son, and that He does offer us salvation. And that if we trust Him, we receive that salvation. And we repent of our sins, which is saying, I don't want sin to run my life. What I want is to serve God with my life, and I want His Spirit to help me with this. part of the salvation process. And we're baptized into Him for the forgiveness of sins. And man, if you have not made that decision yet, I would love to talk with you about it. I'd be glad to talk with you about it after the service. Any of our elders would be glad to talk with you about that too. We'll walk with you through that journey. You don't have to face this on your own. But the good news for us today is, yeah, we're sinners. But God loves us in spite of that sin. And because of that sin, he's offered us salvation. Salvation. The salvation that he wants for every single human being, regardless of what they've done. And it's up to us to receive it. Let's pray together. God, we know the power of sin because we've seen it at work in our own lives. And we know how it can enslave us. And so, God, we're thankful that Jesus has paid the price to redeem us from that slavery. And that changes the way we live today, and it changes eternity for us. And, God, part of the reason we're here today is because we want to celebrate that. So, God, as we continue to worship, we give you glory because of Jesus and because of the salvation that you've offered us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.